This is FBG Jen. And FBG Kristen. And I'm FBG Margot, host and producer. You're listening to the podcast that will help you keep a lid on the junk in the trunk and inspire you to live a happy and confident life. Each episode, we chat with motivational experts and celebs and share our own candid adventures in being healthy. If you're looking for a podcast that's equal parts hilarious and enlightening, well then welcome to the Fit Bottom Girls podcast. Life is too short to waste time on things that just aren't important. And you weren't put here to worry about your weight or the number on the scale. If you're ready to break free from all that diet culture BS, if you're ready to take your power back, check out fitbottomgirls.com forward slash coaching to learn more about our signature online program, Love Your Body, Love Your Life. Welcome back to the Fit Bottom Girls podcast. This is FBG Margot, and on the line today, we have FBG Jen. Hello. And we have FBG Kristen. Hey. And hey, everybody, we are talking about B. Bosnack today. So which one of you wants to talk about how you met her at 109? Um, I can speak a little bit to that. Mm-hmm. So um, last year, Jen and I had the opportunity to um, take part in the 109 world women retreat, which, um, a couple of other previous guests we've had on, um, were also women who we met there. So, um, Sharon and, uh, Vanessa Leanne, the jeweler. So we've, we really made some amazing connections there. And B was one of those. She was there as she was uh, the yoga teacher there, but it's, I mean, when I say that she was the yoga teacher there, like that is just scraping the surface of, of what she contributed because, Golly, she, I mean, she is a presence, right, Jen? Yeah. Like in a very um, intense way, like in a very beautiful, good way. Yeah. Well, I think we've talked about how much I cried at that retreat, but. <laughs> Just a little bit. <laughs> her style of yoga, which I guess she has her own like specific way of teaching. And it truly is like a experience I feel like if you take yoga from her it's called heal yourself and Kristen you remember it's like this mix of yoga and then definitely sound like she actually plays music yep and then according to her website's also somatic studies and shadow and breath work and it is just I mean a truly powerful emotional spiritual experience that is really hard to I think sum up unless you've like really experienced it but it's extremely powerful well, let's look, talk a little bit about Vipassana meditation. Is that how you pronounce it? That's something where she goes on a sabbatical for 10 days, excuse me, sabbatical for 10 days, and no technology, no writing, no reading, and no form of communication. She does talk about that a little bit in this interview, but I wanted to ask you guys, like, what do you think of that? Is that something you think you can do, or do you ever try to take a sabbatical from technology? How do you do it? So, I mean, I... I have definitely never done anything as far as, you know, to the extent of a traditional Vipassana, you know, meditation retreat. Cause that's, I mean, it is 10 days of silence. Like that is, and you know, there are very specific ones all over the country. Uh, well, probably all over the world, actually. I'm probably misspeaking there. And, you know, I remember after we spoke to her, I did look into it a little bit because I'm like, gosh, that sounds terrifying and fascinating and, you know, when you, when you're really having to be silent for that long and it's 
it's all about uh, self-transformation through self-observation. So you're really connecting your mind and body and paying attention to like physical sensations and what's around you, but without trying to translate that in a verbal way. Um, and as somebody who tends to translate everything in a verbal way a lot, that's, it's just an incredible idea to me. So, I mean, yeah, I definitely try to, you know, take a break from technology here and there. And especially if I can, you know, things like getting out in the woods and, you know, doing a, a some hiking or camping or whatever is fantastic for that. But I don't know. I, in theory, I would love to do this and I'm not sure I'm ready, but I hope to be one day. Well, and the crazy thing is it, it says that, you know, like no media, so you're not reading anything. Like it's not just being quiet. Right. There's, there's no, I guess, distraction from your thoughts <laughs> at all. And that's what I find to be like, oh man, like 10 days and not even like, you're not even reading a magazine, you know? Or, or no writing. So it's like, not oh, like you're journaling either. Yeah, no writing? I, can, I can't imagine. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, she doesn't have kids. I don't. I think that's part of like one of the reasons she says she can do this. I think it's you know, obviously it would be difficult for you because, well, you both are married and you have, you know, you have your lives to live. So I think it would be very hard to go away for 10 days and them not being able to communicate with you. I just, I'm thinking even for like an afternoon, like I would find that challenging, to be honest. <laughs> I bet you, you know. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, I think there's one thing for me being like, okay, I'm not going to, I'm not going to touch technology, but even if it was like for four hours, I'm like, okay, what am I going to do? I, I guess I'm going to go for like a walk in nature. Yeah. Like I'm going to walk for four hours. I'm just going to, I'm going to sit and meditate for a while. Maybe I'll do some yoga. Like, I, I think I would still be like, I, I want to pick up a book. <laughs> I, yeah. Or I want to text somebody. That'd be really hard for me. Yeah. I think like, yeah. I think it's one of those really things though. Like journals, though. I think it's one of those like. It's un not until maybe the third day that it really clicks with you. You know, you're just sort of detoxing from all of that for the first couple of days. And then like when you're halfway in, you're like, all right, this is the way it's going to be until yeah. Sunday or whatever. What, you know, what am I thinking about? What can I, energy am I moving around with? How can I get the good stuff in and the bad stuff out? That kind of th stuff, I yeah. think. I mean, I think so too. I think it sounds fascinating and challenging and you know, I typically like challenging things. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> well, you guys are really going to enjoy this interview. She's very peaceful, very blissful. She has really interesting ideas. She's, uh, I think this is the interview where she said that she doesn't put anything on her calendar on two specific days of the week. She just doesn't want to be bogged down. She does she, she has, this woman knows how to set boundaries. I mean, she's really good about that. So I think this is super interesting. And yeah. guess what? And it's funny. Yeah. Oh, I was just going to say, it's funny that you say that because when I was preparing for this, um, this pre-show, that was actually one of the things that came to mind when I was thinking about her at 109. Yeah. Um, because, you know, when you're when you're at a retreat and it wasn't like a huge retreat. So everyone sort of was getting to know everyone. And it's it's kind of easy to just be um, I don't want to say like suck negative, but, you know, it's it's easy to just find yourself like, OK, yes, I am with all these people. And even if you're introverted, you know, you can step back and, and still feel part of that. But she knew that in order to give us her best um, when she was presenting and leading and instructing, she needed time to herself. So she really would just be like, okay, bye, and go into her room and, and get prepared. And that came through. Like it, And I really mm -hmm. admired that. I thought mm -hmm. that, was, that was wonderful. And it's a more challenging thing, I think, than, than I had realized. Because it was mm -hmm. not something that I was able to do beforehand, even though I'm sure I would have 
benefited from it before we presented, but I just, you know, I was like, oh, I'm here. I want to soak everything up. Well, it's a little people pleasing too. Like I want to get to know everyone and and am I giving enough, you know, like all of that in kind of the retreat environment, but yeah, yeah, agreed. Yeah. She's cool. Really cool. Loved her. Still love her. I mean, yes. Like, <laughs> just attending her and yes. Being around her. And now I just love that she's a person out in the world. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad we know her. Yes. Well, you know who I'm glad for also? Who's that? It's Karen KW. She left us a five star review in Apple Podcasts. And this is what she wrote I love the FBGs. I started checking out their website for workouts and recipes years ago. And now the podcast is on regular rotation in my iPod. When I feel like I need a little more healthy inspiration, I play the next FBG episode. I love the variety of guests and the girls' conversations about real life health and fitness. Thanks for all of the great info and inspirations, FBGs. So thank you so much, Karen. Wow, that's really cool. I feel like we should like we, it almost sounds like we're paying these people to say something. <laughs> yeah, some people do, by the way, pay for reviews. We don't. I mean, we're, these are all organic. We don't. No. It's all organic. And honestly, if you guys want to, uh, if you can leave a review for us on Apple Podcasts, that'd be amazing. We know Apple doesn't make anything easy, but if you would do that, would be awesome. But we do have also stickers, and they're really cute stickers. If you want to put one on your water bottle or on your fridge or whatever, or your bumper sticker, whatever, make it a bumper sticker, you can send us an email, podcast at fitbottomgirls.com, and we will get that out to you in the mail. You can follow us on all of the social media places at Fit Bottom Girls. That's for Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, and YouTube. And I say, let's get blissed out right now with B. Bosnack. Diets and restrictions don't work. After years of experience in our own lives and with thousands of readers, listeners, and followers, we know that the information and formula in our signature online program, Love Your Body, Love Your Life does. And by listening to this podcast, you can save 20% when you use the code FBG podcast. So sign up and save at fitbottomgirls.com forward slash coaching. B. Bosnack is a New York City based healer, teacher, mentor, and the creator of Heal Yourself. B has been studying yoga, meditation, and the human condition for the past decade and continues to study philosophical and spiritual aspects of the practice from various disciplines. B teaches a vast variety of yoga and meditation classes throughout New York City, as well as leading her heartfelt signature method, Heal Yourself Yoga and Meditation Workshops at retreats worldwide. Welcome to the show, B. Thank you. Very excited to be here. We're so excited to have you here today. This is FBG Margo, and on the line today, we have FBG Kristen. Hello. And I want to talk to you about Vipassana meditation. Can you describe what this is and how you maintain your practice? So Vipassana meditation is really about understanding the art of living. And for one to practice Vipassana, um, it is recommended to go to a 10-day course, a 10-day silent uh, meditation course, which now I have done, uh, I just, I'm coming out of my third year, so I go once a year. 
And throughout these 10 days, you learn the technique of Vipassana. Now, one must take the time to actually go and give 10 days of your life to learn this technique. You know, you might find a, a lot of stuff on YouTube or any other channels. But to really understand this technique, it is very, very beneficial to take the course. So once you're in the course for, for 10 days, um, the first three days of the course, you are taught the awareness of breath. So for 10 hours a day, so it's 10 hours every, every day for 10 days, uh, all in silence, no communication. For about three days and a little bit, three days and a half, you only observe the breath. So the breath coming in, the breath coming out. Now the breath is a very, very big tool for this type of meditation because it, be it becomes like your anchor. So when your mind wanders off, and it will tend to do that, you bring the focus and the awareness back to the breath, back to the breath, back to the breath. But this is very natural breathing. So there's no regulation in your breath. You're not controlling your breath. It's just as is. So if the breath is deep, it's deep. If it's shallow, it's shallow. If it's moving through your right nostril, it's moving through the right nostril. If it's moving through the left, it's moving through the left. So you're not controlling anything. You're not trying to change anything. So just noticing the natural uh, essence of the breath. And so you do this for three and a half days to calm the mind down because there is no way to go into the technique with, with a monkey mind. Um, and we all have it, right? Our mind is constantly filled with thoughts and chatter, and it just doesn't stop. So the first three and a half days is very essential to focus the mind. But this is not the ultimate purpose of Vipassana. Vipassana is not about concentration. It's not about focusing. It's not about mantra. It's not about visualization. It's very, very different from other meditations because the goal of Vipassana is to purify the mind. And for the rest of the days, after the three and a half days, the rest of the days is then you are taught the technique of Vipassana, which is understanding the essence of each and every sensation that you feel within. So the characteristic of each sensation is arising and passing, arising and passing, coming and going, just like your breath, the inhalation, the exhalation, which teaches us the art of impermanence, that everything is temporary. And so when we become attached to certain things, especially to certain outcomes, right? We want this, we don't want this, we like this, we don't like this. This is all craving and aversion, craving and aversion, which is really moves us into our universal misery. And when we start to practice Vipassana, it helps us to come out of our misery, to understand that everything is impermanent, everything is temporary, and to not be so drawn to our cravings, which creates attachment, and to our aversions, which also creates attachment, but rather to be completely neutral and to understand that this is arising and this shall pass. So that's really the gist in, in a very quick nutshell of uh, what Vipassana is. And 
One thing that's actually quite strange, and I think this is kind of strange uh, for a lot of people, is that this meditation, this course is free. So you go to the course, and at the end of the 10 days, if you would like to donate, again, that is your choice. You can give 10 bucks, you can give 100 bucks. It's up to you, but they do not demand money at all. It's, it's free because they believe that this type of practice should be free to everyone. And the donation, if you prefer to give, of course, you know, living in your means, whatever you can give, it's up to you. And if you cannot, there should be no guilt. There should be no shame. You just take the technique, apply it to your life. So the, the donation part of it is also um, so beautiful. And, and sometimes it can be like, wow, well, why is it free? <laughs> but um, it's, 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 a, it's a really beautiful practice that has really helped uh, my life. And it's brought so much transformation and inner wisdom into, into everything that I do. So it is um, the only technique that I practice. Um, I teach many different uh, techniques, but it is the one that I have really truly found that helps me to completely purify. B, I have so many questions, but the first one, the first question I guess I want to ask is, it's a 10-day course, um, and then you come home and practice that. So I, I understand that, um, you know, that the focus is to understand that nothing is constant but change and to embrace that within your life. Could you talk about, are, are there specific, I guess, things that you do to practice to make sure that you are not losing sight of what you took away from your 10-day retreat? Yeah, I think the hardest part is the reintegration. It's the re-entry process. Yeah, because life there, you know, you, you're you're in silence. You're by yourself. You, you know, you are in a field where all you're doing is just sitting. You're sitting and you're observing, and you get to a point that you can no longer run away from what it is that is showing up for you. So it's like taming, you are taming the mind. And when you're there, your food is prepared for you. You don't have to think about anything. And when you come home, you come back to your never ending to-do list. You come back to your duties, your demands. You come back to everything out of you that is affecting you. So the real meditation starts the moment you come home. Over there, I, I look at it as like a rehearsal. You're just rehearsing. You're in preparation. You're understanding the technique. You're learning something new. Uh, if you continuously go to a course, then you are you know, constantly refining your technique. But the real practice really starts when you come into your reality. And what's beautiful about this meditation is that every moment you can practice Vipassana. Because you're practicing the understanding of sensation, which is always with you, right? You're always feeling a sensation every moment. You are breathing every moment. So the moment when you feel a trigger, right, and you're challenged by someone and you feel angry, instead of that automatic lashing out, wanting to be right, take a moment, come back to your breath, 
feel your sensations. Are you pulsing? Are you feeling a little bit more heat from the anger? Do you feel tingles uh, in your fingers? So your body is responding to the emotion. And so as you start to understand that and apply that to your life, you start to really be in that meditative state. It's about changing your state. And it's about the art of living instead of the, the art of suffering, which is what we're all going through. We're all suffering from something. We're all miserable from something. And these miseries come from being attached either to our cravings. We want this, we want this, we want this. Or our aversions. We don't want this. No, this is not for me. So again, it's, it's finding that, that middle point and applying it to your daily life. And the technique, it is recommended that you practice two hours a day. So one hour in the morning, one hour in the evening. I find that uh, sometimes people find that too much. So they stop doing it completely. So I say, do what you can. You know, even if you're doing an hour in the morning, let that be enough. When we start to say, oh, I, oh, I can't do that, we, we very, very quickly fall off the wagon. And honestly, it's, it's about how much, how much you want it. How disciplined are you willing to be? Do you find it helpful? It makes you less reactive to negative things. You know, you and I are both New Yorkers, and there's a lot of heavy energy around us all the time. Do you find this really helps you with that? It really does because uh, that is really the only thing that we can change is our reaction to whatever we are presented with. You know, we can't change a person. I'm sure we've all tried. It just it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we can't change the situation. We can't change what is being thrown to us in our life. But what we can change is how do we react? How do we react? So, yes, I mean, uh, as you know, living in New York City, if you can practice that here, then you can practice it anywhere. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, yes, truly, it is about it's about your reactions. How are you reacting? You know, where are the, the reactions coming from? And um, in the yoga practice, this is a term called avidya and avidya means uh, ignorance. So, which is, it's, it's not a bad word. Um, it's, it just means that we are ignorant. We are ignoring the root cause of our reaction. So where did the reaction come from? And if you go back to it, to the very, very subtle and the history of that particular reaction, it's probably from childhood. It's probably from what we have learned, what we have been taught, or the event that has happened to us 10 years ago. And the same thing we think is happening in this moment, and then we're reacting just the way we did 10 years ago. And then we are repeating, repeating, repeating that same reaction, and we cannot get out of our misery. We cannot get out of our negativity until we look at the root cause of the problem and then take its root out so that we can start to plant new seeds of how we want to be, what kind of state we want to be in. Now, obviously, this has um, this has been really powerful for you. And I can hear a lot of, um, you know, Jen and I had the pleasure of, of meeting you and, um, you know, doing your workshop 
last summer in New York at the 109 event uh, at the retreat. And and you do your um, your heal yourself workshops and retreats all all over the world. So I would love for you to talk a little bit about how, you know, this is really about, you know, healing yourself and um, knowing that, like you said, we can only control our reactions. Um, other people can't control that. We can't control them. So could you talk a little bit about how you've, how you take this approach and how you make that palatable and easy and, and manageable, I guess, for your students when you're meeting them and you don't have 10 days to, to help them through it? Yes. So this is why I love uh, teaching, um, immersions and, uh, uh, retreats, uh, because I have much more time and many of the students were all, we all come with issues, right? We all come with problems. We all come with things that have happened in our lives that we, we are still storing in our body, trauma, uh, anxiety, depression, uh, heartbreak, whatever it is. And so the whole idea around healing yourself is to empower yourself because I find that a lot of people are looking outside of themselves. So, and, and that's, you know, good to an extent, like you can have a guide, of course, an inspiration, uh, someone to tell you uh, how to move through whatever it is that you need to move through. But ultimately we all have the capacity to heal ourselves. And that starts by first slowing down your nervous system from fight and flight. So that is the stress mode. We're all, 90% of us are living in, in, in stress. We are still living with that anxiety that we felt in that particular event that is stored in the body because the body keeps score of everything. And we're all living with certain stories and these stories are, if you will, it creates um, impurities, it creates labels, it creates uh, judgments. And so with the Heal Yourself workshops and retreats, it's about first honoring that. We don't want to push any of this away. We want to honor it. We want to celebrate it. And then we want to get to, again, just like the Pasana meditation, we want to get to the root. We want to get to what happened, what happened there. We want to get to truth. We want to get to honesty. And we start to slowly peel the layers one by one by one by one. And as we peel the layers, we start, it's like cleaning house. You know, when you're renovating or you're doing a, a, a very deep cleaning and you find stuff and you're like, oh, wow, this is from like ages ago. I forgot about this. So it's, that's what, you're, what we're doing is we're cleaning. And as we do this deep cleaning, we're finding stuff that has just been there and has been taking too much space and we can start to let go of it. We can start to release it. It's really about letting go. It's about letting go of also the thinking mind, the rational mind. It's about connecting to your intuition. It's about empowerment. It's about celebrating the self. It's about honoring your story. 
instead of shaming yourself. So it's, it's about rising up. It's about rising in self-love. So B, can I ask you a question? I love how you described yourself as a modern witch, that you have many talents of yoga and a meditation teacher, but you read cards and palms and all that stuff. (laughs) How did you come upon this life? You know, I've always just been so curious. Um, From a very young age, I've I've been so curious uh, about life, especially mystical, magical aspects of life. You know, I've always asked the question of, is this life, you know, is this all there is? Because I saw all around me, you know, you go to school, then you go get a degree, then you find a person, then you get married, then you have kids, then you do this. And it's just like this, this, this. And I was like, is this it? Is this just what life is all about? And I knew that there must be another way. There must be another way that one can live without what society expects from you. And for, for, for many, many years, I would just find myself feeling very connected to nature. So I, I grew up in, in, in England and there's you know, so much uh, lushness there. Um, especially in just the outskirts of uh, London. And I would just find myself really feeling connected to nature. I would find myself a lot of times um, observing myself, my breath, moving my fingers, like I was, you know, sort of like creating magic. I would I would read uh, a lot. I would be a lot, you know, consumed in daydreaming, <laughs> if you will. And slowly I started to realize my internal gifts, if you will, that I sort of had these, I wouldn't say magical powers, but powers that anyone can really access. Truly that you can access when you start to understand how your body works, how your psyche works, how you can enter certain levels of consciousness, how you can alter your state of consciousness, and how you can start to move between realms and portals. It's like, it's really like being on a a, a very heightened inner trip of um, unraveling veils of illusion, because we live our lives with a lot of illusion, delusion, confusion. So as we start to unravel those, those layers, it's kind of like, uh, you know, pulling up the curtain and then all of a sudden there's this, you know, gush of light to really move into the light. And as I was experimenting with certain things, I started to find myself very drawn. So reading cards, reading uh, energy, especially reading energy. And I think, you know, I mean, we can all read energy, right? No doubt. But also being very in tune in very subtle energies. It's like when I'm around a person that I can feel their, their, their tension, I immediately, I immediately know it and I feel it and I can sense where it's coming from. Or the opposite. If I feel, you know, the person's compassion or acceptance 
again, I can feel and I can channel that energy and I can um, also help guide to move the energy to shift it. So many times I've heard people say, you know, they've before working with me, whether it's online or a class or in person, you know, they feel stressed out, they feel angry, upset, whatever. And after the session, the energy has been altered, whether that's through movement, whether that's through meditation, whether that's through a private session of reading, it alters. And there's many, many healing modalities that I like to work with because not every modality works with every person. Now, so when I, I like, I like what you said though, the modern witch, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> so be one of your many talents that I think is so cool is that you play the harmonium and that was when um, when Jen and I were at 109. I remember we saw this little kind of tiny piano-looking instrument over over to the side, and we thought, "Oh my gosh, what is that?" And we were kind of we were both sort of drawn to it, but we didn't know until you broke that out, and it it was really powerful. And it's very hard for me to explain, but it was it was such a wonderful surprise. So I would love for you to talk about how you know, how sound is incorporated and how this, how this adds to, um, you know, to your teachings and to other people's practices. Sound is a a huge component, um, in my teaching, um, because I believe that, uh, sacred sound is a, a very accessible and, and easy way to neutralize your state of mind and state of being. So with the harmonium, which it's actually uh, an instrument that is from England, uh, many people think it's from India, but back in the day when, when the English invaded uh, India, they also left this instrument of the harmonium. So then, you know, the Indians uh, t- took over and um, many people think that the, the instrument is Indian, but it's actually um, originally from England. And it's used uh, for mantras. It's used for uh, chanting sacred sound to bring the student as well as the chanter into first a state of neutral. And I'm sure you felt that, um, did you feel emotional at all when we were chanting? I did, which was surprising because I... I was not the I was not one of the more um, freely emotional people yeah. in the room. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, but yes, it, it really it. I mean, you're talking about different modalities work for different people, and that was really strong for me. Yes. So, and funny that you mentioned that because yes, there's a lot of people who are just not ready to be emotional, especially being in a group of people. Right? You don't just want to start crying. But what the harmonium does is it helps you to open up that channel of, uh, of your emotional state so that as you start to hear the notes and the sound, it hits particular vibrations within you. And all of a sudden, it starts to bring things that are stagnant, things that are held, a lot of debris, and it brings it up to the surface. And you cannot help, but sometimes like you're choking or you start crying, You feel the vibrations. So it's all about the vibrations. And as you feel the vibrations, the the mantra that we are chanting to helps you to 
bring yourself up to ascend your energy. So it helps you move into that ascension. And it's, it's such a beautiful way to feel connected, not only with yourself, but also uh, the universe at large. So in, in the yoga practice, the, the main mantra, the main vibration that we chant to is Om. Om is, you know, the, the first vibration of the universe. When the Big, big Bang was uh, happening, Om was the first sound. And there's many different mantras also that work with specific energy points in your body. So in your subtle body, you have these uh, main seven energy points. They're called the, 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 the uh, chakra system. But you also have many, many thousands of nadis, which are also energy points. So it's like you're switching, you're switching on a light. And, and the harmonium creates harmony. It creates bliss, if you will. Because the state of yoga, the state of meditation, the state of sacred sound, the state of any healing modality is taking you to a state of bliss. It's taking you to a state of awe. And I don't think many of us are experiencing awe because we're so caught up with our day-to-day -day lives, right? We're all rushing. We're all doing. We've all become robotic. And we've forgotten to stop and smell the roses. We've forgotten to take a moment to look at the stars or to watch the leaf fall from a tree and to be in awe of, of this life in the most simplest things. And so the harmonium helps you to tune into that awe-ness, to feel awe, to feel inspired, to feel alive, and to feel that, you know, this one life I get to live you know, um, whether you believe in past lives or future lives, let's focus on our present life. Let's focus on right now. And how are we going to make this life as beautiful as, as it can be? The ups and downs are going to come. You know, when we're down on our knees, okay, that too shall pass. When we're living in ecstasy and we're so blissful, that too shall pass. Everything is constantly passing, passing, passing. So again, bringing it all together and living in the moment, moment by moment, breath by breath. I was telling you off the air just before we started recording is just how much I love your Instagram feed. I just think it's everything. I really enjoy what you post there. And, and one, that, the, one post that really sticks out for me and I loved it, it's the wisdom is within the mess. Can you explain that? Yes. So have you ever experienced mess? Uh, yeah. How much time do you have? <laughs> <laughs> and from that mess, do you, have you realized that you've taken some, some insights from it, from, from the experience? Absolutely. Okay. So that's really what it means. It's, it's finding the message in the mess because the message is in the mess and the message helps you to, to gain that wisdom. Now wisdom, uh, the wisdom that I'm talking about is not wisdom that we find in reading, you know, reading a book or listening, right? Listening to a podcast or whatever. It's the wisdom that you experience. 
that is the wisdom that this is referring to, which is an, an experiential wisdom. And through this experience of going through the mess, going through the, the downfalls of life, going through stress, going through heartache, we, we can then collect the gems of what we are learning through the mess so that the next time we find ourselves in a very similar mess or the same mess, right? Sometimes I find myself in the same mess over and over again. I don't know about you guys, mm -hmm. but I'm like, how did I get here again? Why am I here again? Haven't I learned? Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. And, and so then I go back. Okay, so what did I learn? What was, my, what was my message back then? What did I learn from it? And then I bring it to the mess that I'm in. And then again, bring it to the mess that I'm in. Because we're all human. We're all going to mess up. We're all going to have intense grief. We're all going to experience loss. Everything. Every emotion is made for the human. And everything that we experience is for, for, the, for the humankind. So when you start to understand that the wisdom, the true wisdom that you experience is within you, then there is nothing else that you need because everything is already within you. And again, we spend all of our lives looking outside of ourselves for the answers. You know, tell me what to do and I'll do it. Give me advice. What should I do? How should I be? What should I say? But yet we've forgotten to look inwards. So the message that you're looking for is within the mess. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Very much so. Thank you. Now, B, you give a lot of yourself in your classes, in your workshops, in your retreats. Um, and obviously you are, you'll find yourself interacting and helping people who are bringing a lot of different things to whatever it is that you're offering. And I'm curious, aside from, you know, obviously your, um, uh, the 10 day course that you finished recently is one way that you really make sure that you're caring for yourself. But what are some other ways that you, that you remain steady or that you recharge or do you not need to, are you in a constant state of, of, being exactly who you need to be and just kind of continuing to, to give and receive equally. Yes, I believe, I believe of course that uh, there needs to be a balance between um, giving and receiving. I study a lot just as much as I teach. I study a lot. I'm always studying something. Um, and I think this, is, I, and I'm very interested in a lot of different things which I think also makes my teachings quite unique because I'm not focused on just one thing. And I'm not saying, you know, that's not good. Of course, it's, it's great, like focusing on one thing. But I'm interested in, in dabbling through a lot of different things. And again, it comes back to my curiosity. But I love... Um, I'm, I'm actually a very introverted person. <laughs> so I... I love being at home. Um, I'm, and that might sound surprising because, you know, for what I do, I have to be extroverted, but, um, I could be alone for months, years, mm. decades. Like it's not a problem. I think this is why the 10 day course for me, it was, um, it was, I'm not going to say easy, 
but you know, it was no problem for me because this is what I love. I love being alone. And I think the more that I am alone, the more that I go inwards and um, become really introspective, I, I receive from myself. There is um, certain people in my circle that I love to be around. Three, there's three of my girlfriends that I love, love so deeply here in New York City. So I receive from them. I receive from their energy. Um, I have a lot of acquaintances. I have a lot of friends, if you will. But I only have really three friends here. And that is plenty for me. Because I'm not one of those people that will you know, fill up my schedule with, you know, this meeting, that meeting, that connection, that network, this, that, that. I love to have a white space in my schedule. Thursdays, Fridays, Saturdays, white space. I don't care how urgent it is. You know, if a client wants to work with me, no, I can't do it. I, can, I just, I just will not do it. Thursdays, Fridays, Saturdays is my days to do what I need to do. Um, especially uh, studying, reading, studying, creating. I find that when I am in creation mode is the, the best time when I can give to my students. When I'm uh, depleted, and I find that very much if I'm just constantly teaching, running around, and I've cut my schedule, my public classes way back, which helps me to create more things. Um, not just, you know, a one hour yoga class, but create more immersions, create more retreats, create more real time, create more, create more um, curriculum and uh, allow myself to, to rest is also very, very important. So rest time is crucial. Being alone is crucial. Studying helps me to uh, become very, very creative, inspired. But apart from that, I mean, you know, we, I live in the most incredible city in the world, in New York City. There's inspiration everywhere. I walk down the street. I go to a museum. I go to Central Park. Um, I go to a beautiful cafe and I get lost. You know, um, you can find inspiration everywhere. So I, I'm kind of a homebody. <laughs> Even though I travel so much and I do a lot of stuff, um, my home is really my sacred space. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I, because you mentioned travel, I, I have to ask, I mean, you really have traveled extensively. So I, can you talk about how, how do you find that different locations impact one's meditation or yoga practice? And, you know, there are so many, um, you know, you offer some retreats in some amazing areas. So I'm curious, is there, is, is the biggest benefit in, attending a retreat in a, an amazing location? Is it really the idea of getting to experience that amazing location and having a powerful experience there? Or is there something that those specific locations bring and offer to enhance that specific experience? Absolutely. For retreats, of course, there's uh, certain locations that are picked um, specifically for example, my yearly uh, Bali retreats. Bali is the land of gods. It's it's the land of spirituality. And um, the moment that you arrive to Bali, you can feel its energy. 
And this kind of energy, it helps you in the work that we do because the work that we do on retreats, it's not just, you know, do a little bit of yoga and meditate and then that's it. It's a lot of work that we do to uncover, recover and discover a lot of the uh, emotional part of the practice. So there's a lot of work that is done. And so being in a beautiful place like Bali or um, this summer, I'm leading a retreat in uh, Sicily, Italy, and there's many other locations that I do. But I think the main thing is to get out of what is familiar for you in your day-to-day life, to get out, to find yourself in this new place, this very unfamiliar place with a group of people who are there also for the first time. And so the students are all in the same boat. They're all experiencing similar, but yet very different things according to, of course, their life experience. But there is a community happening. There is uh, a co-creation that is happening. There is an exchange of energy that is happening. And, And we're all moving through what needs to be moved through in a beautiful environment that supports the healing. So, for example, Bali is in the jungle. You are immersed in nature. Um, Sicily, you're 10 minutes away from the water. You're on the Mediterranean, so you've got the healing elements of water. With the the, uh, New York retreat that we did last year, the one that you attended, again, we were out in nature. Such beauty, such serenity. So it's also picking picking places that will help to enhance the experience of the retreat um, as well. And also sometimes, uh, to be honest with you, I just I just pick a place that I've never been before. <laughs> and I sure. say, yeah, I want to go there. I think I want to go there and I want to create something there. So um, most of the time that that also happens as well. Yeah. You say as a teacher that it's important to let the student go when they're ready. So how do you know when they are ready? And just for anybody, like, how do you know as a person when you are ready for the next step of enlightenment? Well, personally, for me, because I am a student, um, first and foremost, is when I've taken everything that I have needed from a particular teacher that I am studying with. And this is why I have like many, many teachers that I go back to. For me personally, I don't believe in having one particular teacher. Um, And there's nothing wrong with that. I think that's beautiful. But for me, it just doesn't work. And so when I have taken everything that I have needed from that particular teacher their wisdom, the insight, the inspiration. And when there is nothing else that I need to take, then then I know that that, that's all I needed. So I could be studying with a teacher for like one year or another teacher for five years or another teacher for, you know, a decade. So it really, and for, for most teachers, I feel that we hold on to our students Mm-hmm. right? Like you're my student or you're my student or it's, there's this, again, this attachment and this attachment, it's, it, it, it can sabotage 
the relationship of student teacher. So when you, when you are no longer needing anything else from that particular teacher, it's time for you to go now and find maybe another teacher. And as a, as a, as a teacher, you will know to back away to surrender that, again, your student is there for a time being, and then they will move away. And then you will receive another student, and they will move away. So I actually celebrate. When my students are no longer needing to work with me anymore, that's, that's great for me. Because they've got to a point where they've taken whatever they have needed from me and are now applying it to their 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 life. This is their art of living now. So to be attached and to work with someone for years and years and years and years and years, if they're still not, you know, getting the work, something is wrong there. Something is not working there. So that's why, and again, it comes to the aspect of, in Vipassana, we call it anicca, impermanence, that everything is impermanent. So I, I love, I love that. Um, I mean, that's another whole big topic, you know, the, the teacher and student relationship, especially um, right now. And, you know, with gurus popping up left and right. Um, but maybe that's for another podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I think that could be an amazing app. <laughs> Absolutely. <sighs> oh. So B, if people are listening to this and they're thinking, you know, wow, she she is definitely offering something that I feel that I need. Um, where can they find you online? How can they work with you? Um, what, what's coming up this, you know, late spring and summer, maybe into the fall, what are you offering that people should know about? Yeah, I am doing, uh, several retreats. I have, um, the heal yourself yoga meditation retreat happening in Sicily, Italy. July 27th to August 2nd. And then I have a retreat with uh, 109 in uh, Zion, Utah, which is in, in August. And then I have, again, my Heal Yourself retreat in Mykonos, Greece, October 8th. And um, I have immersions in New York City. Um, I work with a lot of clients uh, in person, online uh, as well. And I have my meditation course, which is, it's called stay. And it's all about staying within each and every moment. It's a seven day course course. That is a, a virtual course that could be done from the comfort of where you are. But there's many, many ways to work with me, whether it's virtual or in person or attend a workshop immersion or retreat. And all of this information can be found on my website, bbosnack.com. And, um, also, I, I, I love writing, so I, I tend to write my heart out, whether it's on my Instagram page or my newsletter. And um, so, yeah, that's how, that's how uh, people can, can find my work and, uh, and work with me. Perfect. And, guys, I mean, I just have to say, like, if you remember hearing us talk about, Jen and I were talking about how we looked into people's eyes and had to, and, and hugged strangers at that point, really, for lengthy periods of time. And I've talked about how, I mean, I'm still not exactly a hugger, but I am much more open to giving and receiving um, long, meaningful hugs. 
than I was before. And that's, that's because of B. Oh, um, yeah. And I mean, it's not that I was like closed off and cold. I just was, that was just not a, not something that was something very comfortable for me. So thank you, B. And I'm sure all of my friends thank you now too, because they, they get so many more hugs. You're so welcome. I love that. I love <laughs> that. You know, it's connection. It's like, we all want it, but we're also scared of it a little bit, right? To be so oh, yeah. vulnerable. Mm -hmm to be so open and just, just hug them, hug them tightly. <laughs> yep. yep. And it feels, it feels good to, um, to offer that level of vulnerability and have someone say, yes, I'm here for it. Um, it's, it's really powerful. We just have one more question for you. If you have a moment. Sure. Okay. We asked this of everybody that appears in the show. B, what was the last song you listened to before you did this podcast interview? Oh gosh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it could be anything I love that we asked so many deep questions and she was immediately ready and um that this is this is a tricky one <laughs> you know I think the last song that I listened to um was actually a a mantra in Sanskrit um and it is actually on my Spotify channel so if if, if you guys have Spotify be Bosnak and um, it's a mantra called Loka Samasta Sukhino Bhavantu. And it's, it's a beautiful mantra that helps just to downregulate your nervous system, connect and tune in. It helps you really, really to tune out from all the, the, the stimuli and tune in to the, the magic of within. So I listen to a lot of mantras so yeah, that's the last thing that I listened to. And um, I have a lot of uh, playlists actually on my Spotify for classes. So if anyone is interested in new music or Sanskrit music, um, it's all on there. That's fantastic. I'm looking now. Yeah. We're on Spotify as well. Yes, we are. We have playlists and then all, our podcast is on Spotify. All y'all listening. Oh, it is amazing. Yep. Okay. Yep. So let me find the playlist yeah, this is great because I, um, I actually, whenever I'm in a, a yoga class or, you know, in, in meditation and there are, you know, great mantras or just really beautiful music, I'm always so interested, but it's not like I'm going to stop and, and ask, oh, wait, could you please tell me the name of this? Because that's not helpful to what we're actually doing. So this is great. I am going to be, I'm a follower now. I love that. And, you know, I, I actually, um, I get a lot of, uh, when I teach class, a lot of people come up and say, Hey, what was that playlist? It's so beautiful, but okay. I found it. So it's on my playlist. Um, it's called impermanence. How fitting. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. And it is, let's see, one, two, three, it is the fourth song on that playlist called Loka Samasta Sukhino Bhavantu. And that was a meditation uh, or that was a mantra that we, um, that we did with you. That's right. Um, if exactly. I recall with the harmonium. Yes. And uh, basically what that translates to is may all beings everywhere be happy and free. Yeah. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. Love this show? Tell us why in a five-star review on iTunes, and we'll read it on the air. Also, make sure you are a subscriber. If you want to reach out to say hi or have a question about a recent episode, yay, well, feel free to email us at podcast at fitbottomgirls.com. And if this podcast jives perfectly with your brand, consider sponsoring the show. 
Get more info by emailing advertising at fitbottomgirls.com. Find all kinds of Fit Bottom goodness online and on social media at Fit Bottom Girls, Fit Bottom Mamas, Fit Bottom Eats, and Fit Bottom Zen. And if books and movies are your thing, check out the other podcast I co-host called Book vs. Movie, which you can find anywhere where you search for podcasts. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.